good to be back in the house this morning. Good to be joined together. I've seen, I tried to sneak and uh, mess with my phone just now and look and see who all was watching online, quite a few. Church family, thank you for gathering with us. Grab your Bibles if you have them and turn to James chapter 1. We'll spend a few moments there this morning. As I'm thinking about the last several weeks that we've had, I will not soon forget, and it will mark my ministry um, and the joy, not just at Grace Covenant Church, but uh, for, for as long as I am of sound mind, I'll never forget the privilege we've had to gather outside and to broadcast and transmit the gospel really into the South End. It's been remarkable. And I started thinking about the, 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 the Word of God that we experience together in the Psalms. Psalm 37, Psalm 13, Psalm 32, Psalm 139. And if you recall some of the texts that we handled, but also some of the themes that we talked about, one word was present in all of the sermons. It starts with a L and ends with ORD. What do you think the word is? Tell me if you can guess it. Lord. Yep, that's an important one. And we dealt with four really, um, I don't know if you could be more culturally relevant than the Psalms were in those moments, but Lord of my sadness and Lord of my anger and Lord of my guilt and finally Lord of my all. There's a real challenge if we're not careful and we will fall prey to the very thing that we like to pretend is not a real temptation for us here at Grace Covenant Church. If we're not careful, we'll fall prey to this sinister evil lurking and crouching at the door of Grace Covenant Church. It waits on you as you exit this place. It waits on you in your cars when you leave. It, it's on your phone while you're actually here. It's, it's at your home probably before 1 p.m. today. It's a clear and present danger that's been magnified in this current season. And here it is, you ready? It's settling for being a consumer when it comes to the things of God. I'm still trying to work through some of the text, and I had to live it before I could preach it, and then I had to study it and soak in it and then try to preach it uh, with any kind of sense and and I'm still working on application from Lord of my anger and Lord of my guilt and Lord of my all, certainly, just this past week. James here gives us some clear exhortation and encouragement. And he's talking to the maturing believer, which I'm thrilled to say we have quite a few of here at Grace Covenant Church. But wherever you are on the spectrum of your belief, online or on site, whether you've just doing a drive-by at a church today or not, I want to encourage you that it takes some discipline to press in. Let me give you just a quick overview of James. We're not about to start a study of James. We're just handling this as a one-off this morning. And it was just a real sense of being constrained by the Lord to, to land here today. I saw the wisdom in this. But if you are going to study James, our family, when we knew we were going to preach this on Sunday, we started reading through James again as a family and, and love it. It's a fantastic book. But if you, if you just read James without knowing that love and worship are the driving force of James, it can come across as legalistic and works-based. And in fact, there are some uh, folks that 
didn't want to include James in the uh, translation of Scripture. Felt like it was too works-based. And we tend to flag preachers whose favorite book is James. Here's a quick overview for you. You've got it in your notes online. If you've dialed into that on the app or on version, it's there. Here's an overview. Faithfulness and trials is where James starts out in chapter 1. Chapter 2, faith and works. Chapter 3, the first half, speaking wisely. The second half of chapter 3 is acting wisely and unwisely. And then finally it finishes up with endurance and prayer. James 1 captures the believer in trials and the position of a faith that works. If you look at the posture of this maturing believer, we're going to land on verse 22 in just a moment, but I want to set up for you who James is talking to. It's pretty awesome if you look at it. Glance at verses 12 through 18 with me. If you've got your Bibles open, let me just bring your attention to a couple of markers here of this believer. They're steadfast under trial. This is a maturing believer. They've stood the test. They're standing the test. They're rewarded for their perseverance. You'd read on, you'd find they recognize where sin comes from and how quickly it can take someone farther than they want to go. They're in the family of God. They know the truth, and it winds up at the end of verse 18. They understand not only the word of truth, but they're part of the truth because they're in love with the author of truth, truth himself, the Father of lights. Now, it's from that encouragement that we launch into some practical exhortations that I feel like are appropriate for us today. Short sermon, somebody said amen too loudly there in your spirit, I heard it, but it's super practical and accessible for us today, and I think it will help you with that danger that lurks so quickly after church. Let me touch on verses 19 through 21 quickly, and then we're going to drop the hammer, as it were, on verse 22. Verses 19. Norm read it. It was beautiful. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I quoted this earlier on in our study. We talked about this desire and this pressure we feel to immediately comment as soon as something is news breaking on all social media platforms and we've got to publish. Everybody's got to know what we're thinking. Nobody cares what you're thinking. (laughs) They just want to win an argument. They're looking for how to shut you down regardless of your position. We're not interested in dialogue anymore. We're just interested in finding people who agree with what we want to say. But if we're slow to speak and quick to hear and slow to anger, that slow burn in those parts where the world runs so fast, and you're going to stand out from the crowd. It's going to open the opportunity for you to share the gospel. James is saying be quick. He's pulling it from Ecclesiastes 5. Draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they're doing and they don't even know that it's evil. If you draw near to listen, if you are an active listener, you are setting yourself apart as walking in the wisdom of God. Being quick to hear, being slow to speak. Proverbs Proverbs is littered with great encouragement for being slow to speak. But Proverbs 10, the Bible says, where words are many, transgression is not lacking. We parents know that when your kid gets nervous and just keeps talking and talking and you're going, right, you come to the side and you say, hey, what's going on? What's up? You seem nervous. Talk to me. Am I the only one? No? Okay. Where words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit 
is a man of understanding. Even a fool, when he's silent, seems wise. When he closes his lips, is deemed intelligent. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Proverbs 14, again, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. I couldn't just blow past those verses to get to 22, but here we are. We're there now. As we bridge this heartfelt, timely journey through Psalms over the last four weeks, and our study of the minor prophet Joel coming up starting next week, I want to take a moment and look at four considerations as we meditate on the beauty of this passage. Look at it again, James 1, 21. Therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and then he comes to 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He describes the word to the verse before, receiving it with meekness and an implanted word which is able to save your souls. I want you this morning to write down four considerations. If you're taking notes, if you're filling in the notes, I tried to help you as much as I could. The notes are actually, the, the answer automatically fills in. It's literally the laziest way to take notes. I was thinking, I was trying to throw everybody a bone that I could. Ready? Number one, I want you to consider the blessing of hearing. Listen, we are blessed to hear. I'm afraid that we don't realize how blessed we are to hear the Word of God. And hear me, I'm not talking about how blessed you are to hear uh, me preach. (laughs) I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we are blessed to hear the Word of God. There are hundreds, sometimes, statistically speaking, thousands of voices competing for your attention every single day. And the Word of God is not one among many. It is the dynamite power of God. It's explosive, and it is toxic to the other voices that would pull you away from God and toxic to sin. We are blessed to hear. Do you ever stop and think about just how blessed you are to have access the access that you have to the Word of God. You can purchase it almost anywhere. You can turn the radio on and get it on at least five full power stations in this region. 70% of us that commute any distance, a length of about 15 minutes plus to Grace Covenant Church, pass a number of churches, too many to number probably, every Sunday morning. And then there's this place. For 30 years, in a minority, among this church world in Charlotte with its faithful commitment to let the text preach itself. You're blessed to have access to the Word of God. Do we treat this in a way that our brothers and sisters in persecuted lands across the nation who will lay down their lives for a portion of Scripture, do we treat this in a way that shows that we believe that we are blessed and highly favored? Because we have access to God's word. We're blessed to hear the word of God. I've mentioned some scripture there. I've listened there for you. I won't read them all, but let me touch on a couple of them. Jesus said you were blessed. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes. He's speaking to those around him, for they see and your ears, for they hear. But truly I say unto you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. One woman was trying to bless Mary and exalt Mary to a high position for having Jesus. And Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
The Bible tells us in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 again that Jesus and the Lord in his sovereign plan and from all eternity saw the benefit of setting up helps for us to have access to the word of God. It's the reason he gave us preachers and heralders of God's word. Romans 10. And how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We are blessed to hear the word of God. Don't settle for less. Don't treat it with apathy. Don't treat it with too much casualness that a little morsel will do you. Treat the word of God as the word of Almighty God. We're blessed to hear. Second thing I'd have you notice is that we are accountable or responsible once we hear. We are accountable. We're responsible once we hear the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, See then that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. Remember when the devil visited Eve in the garden, what did he say? He tried to undermine the word of God and let her know she was off the hook. It's your rights, your body, your life. You do what you want. Did God really say this? We're accountable once we hear. We have tools given to us and time to verify what we've heard. I love listening to Alistair Begg. I don't know who your preacher, uh, who you're a fan of preachers. I don't have many contemporary preachers that I listen to. And I try not to listen to Alistair Begg when he's teaching on something that I'm about to teach on because I would probably just get a thing and play up here and go, this, just this, this, this is preaching, this. But he often says to his congregation, and I love it, he says, you all are reasonable people. Check these things out for yourself and see if they are so. The Bereans did that. That's where he got his theme from. In Acts 17, he said, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And as a result, many of them believed. You see, the reality is this. The sermon moment as much as I prepare for this moment and as much as some of you pray for me and I'm so grateful that you do and as much emphasis and preparation is put on the Sunday moment, it is a moment. It's a moment. This doesn't translate into obedience or action or fruit outside the church unless you and I do something with it. And I recognize that this is baseline stuff this is elementary stuff but i want to tell you there's a real danger for us to settle into becoming consuming americanized churchgoers in this age because you're getting it from screens you're having to go online for so much now in this current 
crisis that we're in, that the church's voice can become just another online experience. No, friend, no, no. Dive in, engage God's word, examine the scriptures daily. There must be a response. In the reflection text that I read, Moses is standing on the banks there saying, the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. You can do this. I have never preached anything to a believer at Grace Covenant Church that you are incapable of doing. Incapable of doing. Everything Vance Habner said we ought to do, we can do. By God's help and strength. There's life and good and death and evil. And if we obey, we put ourselves on the side of life and good. But when we disobey or ignore or are apathetic or thought, yeah, that was good. What's next? We put ourselves on the side of death and evil. We're deceived. We're blessed to hear. We're accountable once we hear. Point three, we are blessed by hearing and doing come to our text this morning we're blessed by hearing and doing the text again said but be doers of the word and not hearers only now i love this unpacking of this from the critical and explanatory commentary of the whole bible j blue writes here's the precept be swift to hear be doers not hearers only But the word here for doers is not just to do the word, but to be doers. That is systematically and continually as if this was our regular business. Jesus would say in John 9, We must work the work of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. Listen, our Lord is coming back soon. You say, when, pastor? I've seen some really shoddy eschatology online recently (laughs) Um, the government getting you to wear a mask is not indoctrinating you to take the mark if that's where your eschatology is let's talk we'll do a bible class some point and talk about (laughs) end times that's not what this is folks i have a hope that's anchored within the veil i believe jesus is coming back soon Every day that we live, we are one step closer. I can say that with authority. I don't know when. I don't know exactly how it all plays out. No man knows the day nor the hour. But I can tell you this, it's time to get the work done. And we're not looking for good hearers at Grace Covenant. We want some doers who will do the word of God. It's a sign of maturity The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that we were given apostles and evangelists and prophets and shepherd teachers to equip the saints for the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need to grow up and you don't grow up by just hearing. You grow by doing. It's a sign of maturity. It's a reflection of our friendship with Christ. Now, some of you have been with me for years. You've heard me do this quite a bit, but I love this verse. That old uh, worship song we used to do, I am a friend of God. Hello, V to it. little shoulder action if you're in the 80s. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Well, he calls us friend, the Bible says, if we do what he commands. 
Politicians will say we're all children of God. They're wrong. That's a lie. We're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. We're all just one big happy family. We're not. The blood-washed are in the family of God. Those who do the works of Christ are called friends of God. What a blessing. We are blessed when we hear and do. We're blessed to hear. We're responsible and accountable once we hear. We're blessed by hearing and doing. And our final point this morning, we are in danger when we only hear and never do. It defies logic. The Bible says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Paralagazomai is the word. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. In Colossians 2.4, the word is to cheat or deceive by false reasoning. Now the Bible's saying clearly what it's saying, but let me say it to you this way and see if it helps. The deception comes from thinking that we've done all that is necessary by just showing up and hearing. Yes. Are you actively following Jesus? Yes, I go to church every Sunday. The old-timer revival preachers used to say, if, if you were to stand before the court and they were to trying to convict you of Christianity and they took away your Sunday attendance, would there be any evidence to convict you? Showing up is not enough. Showing up and hearing respectfully is not enough. <laughs> we deceive ourselves. J. Ronald Blue, one more time, he says, it's an illustration of the sit, soak, and sour when we hear and hear and hear. It results in us being stiff-necked and stubborn. Acts 7 called a people a stiff-necked and stubborn people, uncircumcised in their hearts, resisting the Holy Spirit. If you, if you can do this in your Bible, to turn over to Ezekiel chapter 33, I want to give you one illustration that has always haunted me. You know, when you do your daily reading and you're reading through some of these minor and major prophets and you're reading some of the Old Testament colorful language and you're like, what in the world? And you hit some of this stuff and you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I was in one of those moods, I confess to you, one morning and this jumped out at me as uh, scripture often does to convict me. And it did. In verse 30 through 33, there's a description here of a people and a prophet. Listen to the word of God, verses 30 through 33. As for you, son of man, I'm doing this by way of illustration. Your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. Let's stop there. I mean, that's a pastor's dream, isn't it? Folks inviting people to church. I'm, I'm going to update this. But like, come, let's go hear the word of the Lord. That's awesome. Right? And you're like, yeah, I like where this is going. And they come. Hey, they show up. Good stuff. They come. And they sit before you as my people. And they hear what you say. And you're like, ah. But, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths, they act their heart is set on their gain. 
And behold, you are like to them one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and it will come, or come it will, the beautiful language there, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Well, while I'm not claiming to be the prophet among you, what I am saying is this. We are living in a day where people do get excited about going to an event and having an encounter or having an experience, but God wants us to be engaged with the Word of God and to engage our carnal man and say, you will do what the Bible says do. It's sinister, y'all. It's subtle at times. And at Grace Covenant, where you have feasted for 29 of your 30 years from the founding pastor of expository preaching. And then you got stuck with me this last little bit. What a year, y'all. I don't remember. It was Julia that told me this. She said, you know, the previous pastor never shut down church this much. But, uh, sorry. No? Okay. Um, What a year. But you've had the faithful preaching of God's word and it's dangerous. I want you to understand it is dangerous to sit under expository preaching of God's word because we can become apathetic. We're blessed to hear God's word. We're accountable once we hear. Look at this quote. Your response to trials and your resisting temptation are directly connected to your reaction to God's word. Your response to trials and your resisting temptations are directly connected to your reactions to God's word. I'm closing. Let me give you this. I won't do the, you might be a redneck if, but um, think of this in that vein. Here are some symptoms of deception. You might be a skilled hearer and a non-doer if, I'm not doing the voice, I promise. You are quicker to discuss the worship than to actually engage in worship. You might be a skilled hearer and a non-doer if you're quicker to speak of a singer than to focus on the Savior. You might be a skilled hearer and a non-doer if you are quicker to comment on the sermon length or style than to apply the lesson and live out the gospel with humility and love. You might be a skilled hearer and non-doer if you're quicker, quicker to react in judgment, relish in cynicism, and resonate with your crew rather than to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. So under the sound of my voice now, whether on-site or online, different kinds of hearers, those of you who can't hear because the natural man doesn't understand the things of God, you're not saved. You don't know the Lord personally. You know about church. You know churchy things, but you don't, you can't hear. You can't do because you can't hear. I pray that your heart would be ravaged by conviction from the Lord that you'd see yourself as more sinful than you ever thought you were capable of and God is holier than you ever imagined and that you would come to him on his terms in repentance and put your faith and trust in him and move aside and let him be Lord of your life. There are those who can't hear, there are those who won't hear. You're a rebel without a cause. You have no intention of hearing You're doing this to comply or to appease somebody else, but inside, you're lock-armed. I pray that the Lord breaks you before it's too late. There are those who desire to hear but can't yet. I'm thinking of King Agrippa, right? Almost, Paul. You're real close to converting me. You're just trying to give me a case. 
I'm thinking of Moses. Hey, the word of God is near. It's near. Everything you need to do is near. You want to do this. Oh, I pray for you. I've been there. This week I've been there where I've struggled to obey, but uh, known that I wanted to obey. And then there are those who are getting it done. Friends of God. I don't mean you're perfect or you have no sin in your life or you don't stumble, bumble, and fumble. What I'm saying is you are quick to hear and you are doing the works of God. We need you. We need to drink from your wells. If we're not careful, we'll fall into this Americanized, sanitized version of Christianity, which has a theme song. You ready? I'm all right. Don't nobody worry about me. Why you got to put up a fight? Why don't you just let me be? There's only about six of y'all in here that know that song, but anyway. You've told yourself that for so long that your voice has started to drown out the Word of God. Today, I pray that you'll respond with action, that you will, watch this, accept God's Word Act on God's word and abide in God's word. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask the musicians to come as we respond with singing as well. Would you take just a moment first where you're seated and thank the Lord for the blessing and privilege of hearing the word of God. Would you take a moment where you are and wherever you are on that hearing spectrum, would you ask the Lord to move you to a more consistent doer of God's word? And then let me close our time with this beautiful prayer from William Ames. May that good spirit of Jesus Christ Open the eyes of our minds that we might see and approve the things that are excellent. May He persuade our hearts to receive the truth and love it and direct our steps to walk in the paths of mercy and truth that we may be saved. And the church said, Amen and Amen. Would you stand with us if you're able to? And let's sing. We'll sing two songs and worship the Lord.